as I was getting ready to study our last ser- for our last series, the book of Mark, I was noticing a pattern in Jesus' life that was as he went through his ministry, there were three main things that he did. He would pray. He would get alone with God, commune with God, often go off by himself in the wee hours of the early morning just to make sure that he was connecting with and leaning into his relationship with his heavenly father. And then the other thing that he would do is obviously he would teach. Everywhere he went, he would open the scriptures, he would explain the scriptures, he would teach the people, so much so that they were astounded by his teaching wherever he went. And then thirdly, the third pattern I see is that he was constantly meeting needs. Wherever he went, they would bring the sick to him. They would, he would encounter people who were sick, and he would encounter people even who had died, and he would meet needs. He would heal them. He would raise the dead. He would meet needs. And these three patterns I recognize as a good pattern for us because if we're going to follow Jesus, then we're going to, the scriptures say, walk in his steps. We're going to be doing the same kinds of things that he was doing. And in fact, Jesus even even promised that we would do the same things and even greater things than he would do. That's kind of mind-blowing. But what is that pattern? He would pray. He leaned into his relationship with his heavenly father. He would teach. He would tell people the truth wherever he went. And he would meet needs wherever he found them. Welcome to Cornerstone Online. I'm Pastor Brian Foreman, and this is our weekly experience where we inspire and equip you to follow Jesus, knowing that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. If you are our guest, if you're new here, we'd love to be able to welcome you personally and stay in touch with you. And the way we can do that is if you will text the word NEW to 603-225-2550, our church number, that would be great. We would love to get to know you. So today, we are in our series called Insider Outsider, where we are looking at the letter of 1 Peter. This is the first uh, letter from the Apostle Peter in the New Testament to the churches. And today we are going to focus in on this idea of serving. The reason that I told you about the pattern that I noticed in Jesus' life is that if you look for it, you will find this pattern in other places. And in this passage, you will see that same pattern reflected in Peter's words to the churches. So today we're going to focus in on this idea of serving. And the bottom line is to meet the needs in front of you. Meet the needs in front of you. Wherever you go, you're going to encounter needs. And as a follower of Jesus, doing the kinds of things that Jesus did, when we encounter needs, we can often meet those needs. And in doing so, we are following the pattern that Jesus laid down. And to help you with that, I'm going to give you a challenge. I'm going to give you a practical step that you can take, and that is to text the word SERVE to our church number, 603-225-2550. There are going to be opportunities that you're going to have wherever you go where you will encounter needs and be able to meet those needs in some form or fashion. But 
Something happens when we as a church join together and combine forces, lock arms in order to meet the needs that are out there. And there are needs within our church, within our communities, within our families, and we want to help facilitate the meeting of those needs. And if you will text serve, then that lets us know, one, that you're willing and available, and number two, we can let you know what some of the needs are and help to match up those resources that are out there and the needs that are out there as well. So that's the plan. Notice the needs, deploy our resources, and experience God's power as we serve one another and meet the needs that we encounter. So let's look at the passage that we're looking at today. It is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. Now, we read a, a little bit of this last week, so I'm going to pick it up and kind of bring it into the new material. So if some of it sounds familiar, that is why. Beginning at verse 7, reading from the New Living Translation. The end of the world is coming soon. Remember, we said that, that was the time is short. The end of all things is imminent. Uh, he's saying... In light of the time being short, this is what I want you to do. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts, Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, as we look at your word today, I pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes and open our hearts so that we might receive from you what you have to say to us. I pray that you would give each of us a willing heart and an open heart and an understanding mind, and then that we will respond in faith and obedience, that we will put into practice what we hear today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's, uh, let's look at the context. Backing up just a little bit, the uh, Apostle Peter has been contrasting our life before Christ and our life in Christ. And he says that now that you're in Christ, you won't spend the rest of your lives chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. He's painting a picture for a new kind of life that's not just following after your own desires, being led around by your own uh, ambition, but instead that your ambition, your desire will be to do the will of God. And then he goes and explains the kinds of things that make up the life that is anxious to do the will of God. And beginning at verse 7, he says, therefore, be earnest in, and disciplined in your prayers. Now, again, this might sound familiar because we talked about it last week. Uh, and uh, the idea there is to lean into your relationship with your heavenly Father. Jesus started by going off on his own and praying. 
And these are the kind, and we talked about how it's just your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And prayer is certainly one of those disciplines, but also going to church, gathering with others, uh, participating in uh, a small group or just fellowship, making sure that you have friends that are going to spur you on towards love and good deeds. It means reading your Bible, and we uh, are constantly promoting the life journaling plan. There are all kinds of things that you can do to kind of lean into your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And I want to highlight these two words that he describes there, being earnest and disciplined. Earnest and disciplined. Uh, Often I use the phraseology about the earnestness of being wholehearted. It says in the scriptures that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Just that idea of being all in. And to be a follower of Jesus is to be all in. It's declaring your ultimate allegiance to Jesus. So it means being earnest. It means being all in. And then there's the idea of being disciplined, that you're going to work at it, and it's going to be a part of your life. It's going to be a discipline. It's going to be a habit. It's going to be the kind of thing that you always do. And so I just want to take a second to encourage you to be disciplined, to be committed, to be all in in your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And one of the things that, you know, now that we're this far into the pandemic and everything that has come out of that and life is beginning to open up a little bit, if you are able to participate in person at church, I would highly recommend that. Now, I understand there are all kinds of reasons why people can't or won't or don't, but if there's not a good reason that you've just kind of got out of the habit and you just kind of Can we say it? Can we be honest with ourselves? Sometimes we're just a little bit lazy. We're not ready to get back in. If that's your reason, then I would encourage you to show up in person. What we do online is great, and it's the the next best thing. But the best thing is to be able to gather in person. And I will encourage you, if you can do that, to do that. It's going to be an encouragement to you. You are going to find that, yes, it's a little bit extra work. Yes, it's maybe not quite as convenient, but you're also going to find that you will get more out of it as well. So just uh, re-emphasizing what we talked about, leaning into your relationship with your Heavenly Father, not slacking off, getting back into those good habits. And then he goes on to describe our relationship with one another. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. This is the same as we saw in chapter 1, verse 22, when it talks about loving each other deeply from the heart. It is the one command that Jesus put above all all others. You must love one another as I have loved you, so you also must love one another. Then in the very next verse, this is John 13, 34, and 35, he says that that is the distinguishing characteristic of Jesus' followers, that they love one another. By this, all men will know, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then, in 1 Peter, he goes on to describe one of, the, one of the main ways that we show this deep love for one another 
It's by serving one another. It's by meeting the needs that are in front of you. Immediately after saying, love each other deeply, he says, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Now, in some translations, it just uses the word hospitality. Show hospitality to one another. I like that this translation, the New Living Translation, has pulled out what that means, because we think of showing hospitality as maybe uh, having a house party or something like that. But he points out uh, in this, uh, it's pointed out in this translation that that's actually meeting a need, that these people who are, that the, the Apostle Peter is writing to, would often encounter people who were show up, brothers and sisters in Christ. This was 2,000 years ago, not the same kind of lodging situation, not a hotel at every interstate exit. So sometimes they would just have some very basic needs. They would need a place to stay, a roof over their head, a table with some food on it. And what the Apostle Peter is saying is when you encounter someone who has this need, then go ahead and meet that need and to do so cheerfully. So uh, this is very much in line with Jesus' example and Jesus' teaching. He was, as we said, constantly wherever he went, wherever the need was, food, healing, teaching, he would meet that need. And in fact, in the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, that's kind of the theme of that very famous story that the man was robbed, beaten, and left for dead, and people would encounter this very obvious need. They would walk along, they would see the man on the side of the road. He obviously needed care. He obviously needed help. And people would see that and then keep on walking. See that and keep on walking. It wasn't until the Samaritan showed up that he actually saw, really saw the need. How do we know that? Because he did something about it. And what Jesus says at the end of that parable is to his listeners and through the ages to us, go and do likewise. When you encounter a need, that is God's invitation for you to do something about it and do something for that person. And that's the theme and that's the context for this whole, uh, this whole message and this whole passage. He says, you got somebody who has a need, show them hospitality, meet that need, give them a meal and a place to stay. You just meet the needs that are right in front of you. And then he tells, uh, he goes on to give two examples of the kinds of needs and the kinds of ways that we can meet those needs. He starts off by first saying that we can use our words to meet needs. Now, we don't often think about this, but sometimes the needs are not tangible. They're kind of intangible. That the needs that people have are sometimes met by the words that we say. That there are some things that we just need to hear from somebody else. And part of the way that we can serve others is by giving them the words that they need to hear. You might need a word of encouragement. You might need a word of instruction. You need something to, 
to, you need to figure out something. You might need a word of challenge to kind of give you that boost that you need to do the things that you need to do. One of the things that we try to do through our preaching and through the ministry of the church is to tell you the things to meet the needs that you need to hear by saying the things that you need to hear. So you use your words to meet needs. This is what's described in 1 Peter 4.11, where he says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Do so as one who speaks the very words of God. So maybe one of the best ways that you can think about this is by thinking about the opposite. I'm sure there's, there have been times in your life where somebody has said to you, something to you that is the exact opposite of what you needed to hear in that time, something that was going to be discouraging, something that you already knew, something that was perhaps not true and just reinforces a lie that the enemy is trying to drive into your brain. We've all experienced people who say things that aren't helpful, aren't true, aren't beneficial. And what the Apostle Peter here is saying is that I want you as a follower of Jesus to be the exact opposite. Not let your words be just a venting of your flesh and a way of of just using your anger to hurt others or something like that, but to use your words as if whatever you say was the very words of God. They're going to meet the needs of the moment by what you say. Not what feels good to you, what meets the need of the moment. A word of encouragement, of instruction, of correction, of, of, uh, of challenge. Whatever the need is should determine our words, nothing else. So uh, maybe just give you a couple of of scriptures that help inform my perspective on that. What what does it say about Jesus? In the introduction to the Gospel of John, it says the word became flesh. Describing the Son of God coming into our world was as if God's word put on flesh and made his dwelling among us. And then it says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, and glory in, sometimes includes the idea of making something manifest, of showing up. And so he's saying God has shown up in his son who came from the father full of grace and truth. And I love that because sometimes we feel like there's this uh, competition that you can be gracious, you can be kind, or you can be truthful, and sometimes people just need to hear the truth, and that rules out being gracious and kind. And what this verse tells us is that in Jesus, there was the fullness of grace and the fullness of truth, that you can be 100% gracious and 100% truthful. That's what Jesus was, and we can be, as a result, the same. Then in Ephesians 4.29, the Apostle Paul is teaching about our words, and he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Unwholesome is the idea of just rotting. Just think of rotting fish and the smell, the unpleasantness of it, and sometimes we can belch up in our words 
that kind of unpleasantness. And he says, that's not what we're about as followers of Jesus. And then he gives the contrast. But what are we supposed to say? Only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. It's meeting a need that it may be benefit those who listen. So what's the criteria for our words? Is it helpful? Is it edifying? Is it going to build up or is it going to tear down? You want to be building others up? Does it is it needful? Does it meet a need? And is it beneficial? Is it going to help others? And then back in 1 Peter, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. This is kind of the introduction. It's like, okay, your words, your resources, everything that you have, the very breath in your lungs is a gift. And on top of that, he gives spiritual gifts, which we'll talk a little bit more about. But he should use, every one of us, each of us, should use whatever gift we've received to serve others. That's the purpose for which God gives his gifts, so that we can leverage them for the benefit of others. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So the idea is God graciously gives us gifts he provides things for us, not only to meet our needs, but so that we can turn around and meet the needs of others. And so that's why part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to meet the needs in front of you. And let me emphasize that in front of you, because sometimes it's very easy to get overwhelmed, especially in our day and age where you can know about tragedies that are happening around the world immediately. Prayerfully discern what are the needs that God has placed in front of you. He may be able, you may be able to meet some need on the other side of the world, but rather than being overwhelmed, just say, I'm going to do something about this need, this need that God has placed right before me. And one of the ways that we can do that is not only to use our words to meet needs, but also to use our resources as well, to use our resources to meet needs. That's what he's talking about in verse 11 when he says, if anyone serves, if you're going to serve, and the word there is uh, the same word that would be used of a server in a restaurant. You are going around, you are providing for, you are meeting needs. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Just like if you're going to say something, then say something as if it were the very words of God. What would God say into this person's life, into this situation? In the same way, you're going to take the strength, the power, whatever resources and gifts God has given you, and then deploy them in the world for the benefit of others. When you serve, is the idea there, serve with the strength that God provides. Now, for a long time, for as long as I can remember, when pastors would talk about this, these gifts that God gives us, they would often talk about them in this way, time, talents, and treasure. What are the resources we're talking about? We're talking about your time, the uh, time that you give to serve others. We're talking about our talents. What are the different gifts, abilities, and skills that you have that you can employ and deploy for the benefit of others? And then also our treasure, financially contributing to meet needs. So 
When you see serving, you can kind of expand that to the idea of time, talents, and treasure. So let's talk about the different gifts that God gives us. There's this whole idea of spiritual gifts, which is talked about in 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14. And in the introduction to this section, the Apostle Paul says, now to each one, now notice, if anyone serves, now to each one, each one what? Each believer, each follower of Jesus. When you become a follower of Jesus, you receive certain gifts that are abilities that you are able to use for others, to serve others that you wouldn't have otherwise. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, that's what a spiritual gift is. That's what all this is in is just like the words of God. You're speaking the words of God, serving with the power that God provides. It's a manifestation of God's spirit at work in you. It is given for <clears throat> the common good. What's the purpose for which God gives his gifts to his people? It's so that they can deploy them and employ them for the common good. Then in Ephesians 4, 16, we see the same thing. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. The manifestation of the Spirit is given now as each part, each part, each member, each person within the body of Christ does its own special work. Now, let me just pause there. What this is telling us is that every one of us, everyone listening to me, Everyone watching, everyone hearing this podcast, everyone watching this on YouTube, you are one of those each parts that has your own special work. And what that means is if you don't participate, if you don't serve, if you don't join in, then everyone loses out on that because you have a special work, your own special contribution that is needed by everyone else. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. And what's the result? <clears throat> so that the whole body, the whole group, the whole congregation, the whole community is healthy and growing and full of love. I want Cornerstone. I want our churches in our area. I want the church of Jesus Christ as a whole to be healthy and growing and full of love. And the only way that happens is as each part does its own special work. So we need you. We need you to be active in using your time, your treasure, your talents in the service of the kingdom of God for the benefit of the people of God and the community as a whole. And that's why today, as we're talking about serving, I'm challenging all of us to meet the needs that are in front of you and to, as a practical step, to text the word serve to our church number, 603-225-2550. We need for everyone, if we're going to be a church that is healthy and growing and full of love, if we're going to fulfill our mission to show the love, to demonstrate the love of Jesus to one another and to our community, then we need everyone contributing. 
And not just the people who are showing up on the weekend in person, but our wider church community of people who are watching both in person and online, both in our community and outside of our community. So just because you're not within the Concord, New Hampshire area, don't rule yourself out in this. There are ways that you can contribute, that you can lock arms with other people here at Cornerstone in order to meet needs. So text that word serve, and what we'll do is we'll find out how we can best match up the resources that are in our church community with the needs that are in our church community and that we can deploy in service to the community as a whole. So using your words, using your time, using your talents, using your resources to give. One of the things that I'm so thankful for is over the all the craziness of the past 18 months to two years. The reason that we've been able to continue and even thrive in that is through the faithful giving of the people of Cornerstone. That's the only way. We haven't taken up an offering in person in over a year and a half, but every need has been met because of the faithfulness of the people. Think of how much more we could do if everyone was giving something, if everyone was just giving a little bit more so that we could resource the things that need to be done and serve others well. And in the same way, everyone has a place to serve. Everyone has something that they can contribute in their time, their talents, and their resources. Everyone can use their words to speak the words that are going to meet needs around you. Then, In the summary, it says in the end of verse 11, then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. I I love and I wanted to highlight that everything, that just what if everywhere you went, everything you did, when you said something, it was as if God was speaking through you. If as you went around and you encountered needs, that God would make a way for you to meet the needs around it. If it's too big for you to meet, that we would lock arms with one another and we would see real needs getting met through the people of God wherever they are. Everything that we do bring glory to God. There's two aspects of glory. There's that he gets the credit. That's kind of what glory means. You know, it's, it's you get the credit. You get the you get the accolades for what you have done. And when people see needs getting met through the people of God, then they're going to give credit to God because he's the one that is empowering. He's the one that is moving people to meet these needs. And the other aspect of glory like we talked about with Jesus in the introduction to the Gospel of John, is that it's making manifest. It's showing his presence. And so you know that sometimes people have said something to you and it was just what you need to hear and it was as if God was speaking directly to you through what you heard. God was making his glory known. He was showing up in that. Some of you have had needs that you desperately needed met, that you were praying about, and then somebody shows up and gives you what you need, serves you, helps you, resources you, 
and you just recognize that this isn't just some person showing up and doing something nice for you. This was God meeting that need in your life through another person. It was God showing up. It was his glory. And then it says, for to him belong the power and glory forever throughout the ages. It's like God's got the power. He wants to show up. But in order for that to happen, he needs willing people to, who are willing to let him speak through them to meet the needs around them, for him to resource you so that you might meet the needs that you encounter. And then there's that then that starts this all out. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. What's that then? It's like when people get a vision for serving others, for recognizing that not everything that comes into my hands is for me, but he's using uh, his gifts, his talents, his resources that he places in our power because he wants to use us to leverage those for the benefit of others. What if that then happens? That then, that when we speak, our first thought is not what do I think or what do I want to do in this situation, but what is the need of the moment? What does this person need to hear? If God were, were sitting right here, what would he say to this person? And then to speak as if God was speaking through you. What if everywhere the then happens, the then that when we encounter needs, that we don't just pass by on the other side of the road, but that we recognize that seeing that need is God's invitation to do something about it. What if everyone who was watching and listening, texted, serve, and said, not only am I going to just have my eyes open to the needs around me, I want to join with others in my church family so that the sum of the parts is greater than the whole, so that we can do more together than we could ever do on our own. What if then became true in our lives, in our church, in our communities right now. We would see the power of God, the glory of God. He would receive the credit, needs would be met, and people would come to know Jesus. Won't you be a part of that? Won't you text serve to our church number, 603-225-2550? Won't you just open your eyes and your heart to the needs around you so that when God prompts you, you will do something about it. And let me give one last invitation, and that is that if you're not yet following Jesus, to say yes to Jesus. And what we do for that is to text yes to our church number. So you're going to text serve to our church number. You're going to text yes to our church number in order to indicate that you are following Jesus for the first time. Why? Because when you become a follower of Jesus, he gives you spiritual gifts. He resources you so that you can be used by him to meet the needs in the people around you. When you're saying yes to Jesus, you're saying, yes, I want to be used like that. I want my sins forgiven, my past covered over so that I can have a clear conscience before you. I want what you did on the cross to count for me. I want to follow you wholeheartedly. I want to be the kind of person that is all in. I'm saying yes to you as Lord and Savior, as Master, 
as the boss, as the one who gets to call the shots in my life. And I want you to lead me in this and in every other way. Say yes to Jesus. So let's say yes to him. Let's serve and let's let God make his glory and power manifest in us to our world today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you've given us the opportunity to know you and help us all to lean into our relationship with you. I thank you, Lord, that you have demonstrated by your life what it means to live selflessly and sacrificially to love others. And I pray, Lord, that that same heart would be manifest in us, your followers, and that as part of that, when we see needs, we will meet them. Give us the eyes to see what you would have us do as we walk through our lives, and then the courage and initiative to act in order to meet those needs that you bring before us. And we pray all of this so that you will receive the credit, so that you will receive the glory, so that people will recognize in our service and love to one another the very presence and power of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.